I mentioned this story, I believe, in one of the Stump the Priest events, but when I was in seminary, uh, I was witness to what I believe was a miracle. Um, first, the tragedy. I was down in the, we have like a little weight room underneath in the basement of the residence hall where the seminarians live. And I was working out down there, and there was maybe four or five of us in this little gym. And I had uh, earphones in, and all of a sudden I heard this big thud and looked over and uh, the other guys in the gym were running over to one of the exercise bikes and our friend Matt had collapsed. He was sitting on an exercise bike and collapsed on the ground and we ran up to him and I thought maybe he was having a seizure or something. He's a 24-year-old young man. Turns out he was having a heart attack, um, which we didn't know. I ran up and uh, providentially our friend Julio, who had left being an emergency room doctor to become a priest, which was nice and in God's plan to have him standing right there in the mailroom right when I ran up. Hey, Julio, Matt fell down, he collapsed, and we immediately started CPR and all this stuff. But uh, for something like 13 minutes, his heart was totally stopped, and the paramedics came and they were able to get him going again. But he was in a coma for days, and we were pretty sure that he was dying or would die or at least never be the same. And as a matter of fact, uh, his parents came down from Wisconsin and we were all praying to Father Tolton, who was the first black priest in uh, the United States. And a priest, uh, he died here in Chicago, and his cause for canonization, um, he's a saintly man, was, is open um, here in Chicago. And we were praying to him, uh, all the seminarians, and uh, down in Quincy, Illinois, where Father Tolton was first uh, assigned as a priest, they were saying Mass uh, in his honor. And the bishop who was doing the mass got a text that Matt was in the hospital and that they were going to talk about withdrawing care and he was an organ donor so they were talking about harvesting organs and um, could you please pray and they celebrated the mass offered it for him for for his healing and when bishop got back into the sacristy he checked his phone and there was a text that said Matt woke up and it was time stamped like right at the final blessing of the mass and Matt did wake up, and he doesn't remember this, but the first words out of his mouth were, can I still be a priest? Which I think is such a cool uh, thing to have said, um, that that was what was on his heart, even in his three days in the tomb. And actually, he did collapse on a Friday and woke up on a Sunday. So there's all this crazy, miraculous, providential stuff. Um, it was a long way back for him. He had to do a lot of therapy and stuff to to uh, get his mental and physical capacities back. But l later that year, he was back in the classroom with us, the same guy, and um, he had a pacemaker and a defibrillator in now, but uh, totally miraculous. And he was telling this story uh, back in his home diocese to a group of teenagers, and a kid in the back started laughing, and he just stopped. And Matt's a very uh, simple guy. He's, he's just kind of like called the kid out, and he's like, why are you laughing? And the kid said that didn't happen. It's like, you're making that up. And Matt was flabbergasted. He's like, what? <laughs> you're like, this happened to me. I, I, don't know how to, I don't know how to tell you that it's the truth, like, or I convince you, other than I experienced it, you know? But um, we have in this reading today, fortunately for a friend, Laura, our catechumen is going through the second scrutiny today. So we have the the gift of reading this story of the man born blind, I thought of that as this guy is, is arguing with all these people about what happened to him. 
he was blind. He was born blind. He'd never seen a thing in his life. And all of a sudden, Jesus sees him, spits on the ground, makes clay with the dirt, rubs it on his eyes, goes, tells him, wash in the pool of Siloam, and he washes it off, and all of a sudden he can see. That's it. He knows it's Jesus that did it. He knows that he used to be blind, and now he can see. And it creates this huge controversy. It's this big miracle. Um, it's like proof that Jesus is who he says he is. And so there's a lot of people, interested parties, who have opinions about whether that's possible or whether it was even legal for him to do it on the Sabbath and all this and that. And he just has to keep repeating over and over again. Um, he put clay on my eyes and I washed and now I can see. That's it. That's what happened. Uh, yeah, but was he really blind or is this some other guy that just looks like him? Let's get his parents. And then his parents can't even back him up because they're afraid. They're like, ask him. He's, I, all we can say is he's our son and he was blind. How he sees now, I don't know. You know and they, they keep going back to him. And, and finally, uh, this encounter with the, with the Pharisees when they've just had enough. Um, he says, this is what's so amazing. You don't know where he's from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if one is devout and does his will, he listens to him. It is unheard of that anyone ever opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he would not be able to do anything. And, and then they've had enough. You were born totally in sin, and you're trying to teach us? Get out of here. I mean, the, the, the whole story is about sight, but there's a metaphor going on here. In, th- in the whole Gospel of John, there's this metaphor of light. The light came into the world, but the children of darkness preferred the dark. But God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him might have eternal life. That if you want to be illuminated, if you want to be enlightened, if you want to have your eyes open, simply go to Jesus and he'll open your eyes. But if you want to remain in darkness, or if there's some reflexive distrust of this person offering me this gift that causes me to say no or causes me to cling to my own idols or my own ego or my own will, then I'll willfully remain blind. And if I want to stay blind, I can stay blind. But this, um, this man is simple and open and because of his weakness, because of his physical blindness, he's, he's more almost predisposed to, to have his eyes opened or to have his heart at least open to be illuminated. I don't know if you've ever had an experience like this, um, perhaps not so dramatic as my friend Matt or this man born blind, but some experience where you just know subjectively that was Jesus or that that was God. And that grace, that blessing was tailor-made just for me. And even if I wanted to tell other people, like I don't think they'd believe me or they'd say, oh, that's cute, that's nice. But you just know deep down that came from God. That was for me. It's, there's going to be a lot of voices that, that come in around that, even internal voices that say, no, you were just imagining it, or that was then, this is now. Um, but to, to be able to, to cling to the subjective experience, in other words, the personal, your own perspective, your own experience of it, but then the undeniable objective truth of the experience that, that what this guy the man born blind is able to basically witness to and has the courage to say, um, it was Jesus, it was a gift, and now I serve him. I'm his disciple. Whether he's a sinner, whether you guys believe that he came from Galilee or Judah or whatever, that's what I know, that Jesus saved me and now I serve him. And the simplicity, the, the out of the mouths of babes moment to me is when Jesus comes and seeks him out after he's been expelled, he's been thrown out for his faith, 
for believing in Jesus. And Jesus comes and finds him in the crowd once again and asks him, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered and said, Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? It's almost funny. <laughs> like, he doesn't, it's not like he's a, a theologian. It's thinking like, oh, Jesus is the Son of Man. He's like, I've never heard of the Son of Man. Who is he? I'll believe in him. You're Jesus. You help me. You save my, my eyes. You know, he just, once you have that kind of faith, that kind of trust, some experience of a Christ who is real, then all of that other stuff, it's those questions, those doubts, you're ready to be informed. You're ready to be formed by, by the Christ who saves us. But to block out those voices, or not so much block them out, but to be able to, to refute them and simply cling to this, this truth um, that it was Jesus, the man who I met was Jesus, he is who he says he is, that he saved me, that he's blessed me, that he's given me some grace, and now I love him, and now I serve him.